Welcome to another exciting episode of the Balluminati Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, alongside me, as always, Robert Steak and our beautiful producer, Anthony Vito, and a very, very special guest tonight, Seth Varnador. He's come back to check on his G5 friends. How's everyone doing tonight? Nate, couldn't be better. Life's good. You know, last time we talked, the conversation was a lot different. I feel like all of this happened way too fast for, for my liking. I couldn't pay attention to anything going on during work. And this is the most important time for work for me. And meanwhile, I'm getting updates about the Big 12 sending cease and desists and the ESPN guy, Burke, uh, Burke Magnus, just dropping names and dropping big dick moves all around. There's too much going on. It's, just, it's too much. Seth, uh, did, did you get lost going back to coming back to the G5 realm or did was was it a well-worn path for you? Oh, it was a, it was a well-worn path. Familiar familiar roads all the way back well i'm glad to have you on i i know you know it just means more for you guys over there in gator country now so even i appreciate the time i know even more i appreciate the time and guys let's just get right into it texas and oklahoma i guess they're officially been accepted into the sec as of what about four o'clock unanimously unanimously texas a&m didn't even put up a fight which is unsurprising no. but here we are the SEC is now at, what, 16 teams? Uh, a truly, truly super-powered conference. And that leaves the Big 12 just absolutely reeling with their the eight other teams. Uh, enter the Amer- American Athletic Conference. Boys, how nice does it feel to be on the other side of what's going on for the first time ever? It's realignment season again. I um, it, <laughs> Last time around, we were the ones sitting around like, wait a minute. No, no one's going to leave us behind. That's not going to happen. And it did. And watching a bunch of um, the the big eight leftovers sticking around saying, oh, no, 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 no. We're just going to sue ESPN and think that's going to end well. Well, friends, let me introduce you to how the biggies died. And uh, unfortunately, you're going down the same path. And I'm not going to say it's sweet because, you know, we'll talk about it later about what it's doing for the greater college football realm. But it's one of those things like, you can go kicking and screaming, but you're going to go, and that's just the way it's going to be because uh, you've uh, already dug your own grave at this point. But, hey, it's good to be on the other side of the coin, isn't it? It's it's pretty great. And this is what the Big 12 gets for – they. I mean, they hitched their horses to two teams and didn't really care about the other ones. And understandably, you know, it's Texas and Oklahoma. But when you're two marquee teams, I mean, they've been flirting with leaving the Big 12 for – for years now and then it finally happens and you don't have a plan in place i mean what is bob bolsey doing over there i and and what's interesting is i i think i heard today john skipper who was at espn said something to the effect of they gave texas a longhorn network to keep them in the big 12 then the last round of realignment because they were going to go to the pac 12 so they did that to kind of keep them because they're uh espn had big 12 football but what's what's kind of weird about this whole situation is, is it's really happening because texas has been bad at football i mean it's it's really kind of the reason if they were doing well i don't think this would be a, they wouldn't be so in such a hurry to get out um they're doing poorly and i think that's kind of they still have that name cache where they can cash in on it but oklahoma's lapping them in football right now and it seems like if they were doing better this wouldn't happen so it's kind of funny that they're not doing very well 
and they're they've become an attractive candidate for another conference because of it. Wait, so you're telling me that doing well over the last couple of years in football doesn't directly correlate with another conference wanting you? I no, I don't think it really does when you look at the big picture. These are uh, long-term decisions. So I think you probably look at the fundamentals of a program would be the, I think that'd be probably the smartest way to go, but you know, what do I know? But I was told because USF has been bad for three years Mm -hmm. that they are not an attractive option anymore. And I mean, and football stirs the drink. So that's why Kansas is in the big 12, right? Because there's stellar football program. And, 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 and Rutgers is, uh, you know, hanging out in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think I think there might be some other factors in this realignment, uh, other than the last year of football results. Uh, you know what? Seth, I may have to fact check you on that. I, I'm not entirely sure that's right. That that can't be right. It has to be the most recent football season, and that is it. That is why SMU is now in the SEC as well. I think that's how that works. Cincinnati to the Big Ten. You've heard it here first. Okay, so now that we've got that cleared up, word of advice, don't let your kid cut your hair because then you look like an asshole and then you spout off terrible takes. But that's just me. Moving on. What does this do for the Big 12? What what does this do for college football in general to anyone? What what is next? And are there other pieces, you know, outside of, whatever the AAC does in big 12, or are there other pieces that are moving that we may not see yet? Well, I didn't think there was going to be many other moves or at least, you know, rumblings of anything aside from basically what's going to happen from the remnants of the big 12. And then like where they're basically going to potentially land in, you know, based, I wasn't expecting to hear anything about, you know, uh, another school moving or trying to, play around into the idea of a super conference. And then uh, Florida state's president decided to say, Oh yeah, we're open for business. If a, if a new conference wants to take us to, by the name of the Southeastern conference, basically alluding to uh, creating a super conference, um, uh, an NFL sub league, if you will, filled with all these blue blood, blue blood programs. So yeah, I don't think it's going to have any like short term, like within the next like five year effects aside from just those remnants. But I think we're I think we're slowly but surely easing our way into the path of a, a super conference of some sort for college football, whether that's going to spill into the other sports as well as to be seen. But, yeah, this is a, if if Texas and Oklahoma can just up and say, fuck it, I'm gone. You best believe almost every other major blue blood program from Southern Cal to Ohio state to Clemson and everyone else in between is also looking and saying, huh, why don't we all do that? Yeah, this was, I I think this, from what's happening, it it seems like the American is really in a good position going forward because I'd have to think the rest of the big 12, what's remaining of it is going to implode because they, they'd really have to stick it out altogether through the end of this TV contract with this 2025. And you don't think one of these schools is going to try to leave between now and then get off the sinking ship. I would imagine somebody else is going to try to leave. So I think they implode. And then, you know, as we're hearing American is trying to go after some of their teams possibly. So they might absorb them and then become kind of that, that fifth conference. But it really all seems like we're going towards this anyways, is that football is going to break off from all the other sports. 
And then once that happens, who knows how conference affiliation and, and that kind of thing will be done. But it, it really seems like we're pushing towards football, Division One football, just breaking totally off of, from the NCAA and and just kind of being its own thing governed by – the playoffs already done by somebody else, so why, why not the rest of the sport? Kind of going with, with what you mentioned, this is that one step closer to like that European Super League that was teased earlier this summer, except we, have, we don't have all, you know, a bunch of fans boycotting the streets because for the most part, getting the SEC means more money. What I don't seem to see is there's a lot of fans from the Big 12 sphere that are looking at this saying, hey, we're still part of the Autonomous Five or whatever they want to call themselves. We have a contract through 2025. Let's stick it through and, and try to stick it to Texas and Oklahoma to get ESPN or them to pay them. If they're trying to leave to pay whatever exit fees it's going to be and stick it out to the end of the contract. But the thing with all of this is it's clear that ESPN doesn't want to re-up or likely will not re-up with those remnants. The American's in a good spot because you just signed a brand new contract. So ESPN's thinking in their head. Well, you can do whatever you want, but come 2035, we're not just going to negotiate a contract with you. Fox, who has some of the rights, is with the also has Big Big Ten and Pac-12. They're likely not going going to say, "Hey, let's go ahead and, and figure out what this new uh, conference is." At, at first, I thought there might be like uh, a G, like another a group of six, if you will, conference of the Plains that would kind of merge with Mountain West. But I, I, it almost makes sense if your stock is going to come down from 30 million to 10 million. Like um, was, uh, I believe um, Stuart Mandel. Yeah, he did the, brought up that. Hey, he did the rating looked at all the ratings with the games outside of Oklahoma, yeah. Texas. Might as well stick it out with, instead of trying to hope that your lawyers are going to outlawyer the mouse, stick with the American, that number will go up a little bit and you're still going to take a massive hit. But this strongly worded letter letter thing, sticking to ESPN, ESPN doesn't care. They're going to be able to outmaneuver it, and when 2025 comes around, what are you going to do? You don't have a contract, right? I just think I think the Americans in a good spot because Aresco negotiated that contract, and this is kind of what feels like a right landing spot for them. Whoever's going to try to leave uh, first. And, and to your point there, Vito, you know, ESPN had went came back to the American uh, after UConn left and said we're going to renegotiate because you just lost one of your marquee marquee teams in uh, men's and women's basketball, baseball, what have you, you add these eight teams, you know, Kansas doesn't really have anywhere to go. Like where, where are they going to go? Right. They come to the American, they bolster men's basketball. Okay. Texas tech, very good at baseball, very good at softball, very good at basketball. You add, you add them, you know, six, seven win team as well in football. Like you're, you're adding pretty solid pieces all around. I, I would think, I mean, West Virginia just belongs in the ACC. I think that's just where they need to be. I think it makes the most sense just to get them back with, you know, the Virginia, the Virginia techs, the Syracuse uh, of the world. Um, I think that makes the most sense, but the, the other seven teams, why not? Maybe maybe Iowa State goes to the Big Ten because I believe they're an AAU school. I think Kansas uh, is as well. So that there was that was possible landing spot for Kansas. Well. Th- that makes sense because of, of basketball. You know, Big Ten's a powerhouse basketball conference. So so you take out it's is Iowa State good enough to be in the Big Ten? I mean, I guess the the example would be well. I mean, Rutgers is, but I think. And you have Iowa in there already, so you have kind of a, that natural rivalry. 
Right. And it, I, I think if the Big Ten had a, had its druthers and could do over the 20, what, 2012 expansion, I don't think they take Rutgers again. I, I, what value has Rutgers brought to the Big Ten except uh, uh, just another body? So it, it, it's going to be very, very interesting how everything shakes out. But you add three to five teams from this Big 12 into the American, and it, this is a very good conference all around. The thing that most you know, power five conferences have is, you know, even if their football team's not great, they're pretty good at almost every other Olympic sport. Right. So it's added, it's adding that it's going to add value to the American steel and they can come back to ESPN and be like, all right, well give us back our billion dollar deal plus whatever, you know, big 12 teams are never going to get the 37 million that they're making a year. They may get back to 15, maybe 20, but for the current American teams, that's a huge windfall. If they, if they're able to add another $10 million per year through their TV contract, like that's, that's huge, especially for us, especially for USF, if they're able to add $10 million back to their, their operating budget. So it's, it sucks for the big 12, but I'm so glad it's, uh, it's them, not us this time. And, uh, you know, as USF navigates the expansion without a, without a president, it's going to be very interesting to see how much influence Michael Kelly has uh, going forward. Uh, one thing to your point, I just think about, I, I know there's always the talks. Expansion is always fun because we, it's something to talk about in the offseason, right? We're right before previews. We're getting close to the, the start of the season with August around the corner. But it's everyone saying, like, West Virginia, the ACC makes sense. But why does the ACC need to add West Virginia? Same with the Big Ten. They're saying, hey, add these two schools from the, the, the remaining eight. But why does big, the Big Ten just need to add two schools? And if so, what value do any of those schools give the Big Ten? It's, it's always like fun to kind of play these hypotheticals, and it makes sense to give everyone a landing spot so everyone's happy. But, man, if I'm these conferences, I'm sitting here like, do I need to add anybody? What do I really need to do? And if, frankly, I'm like the Pac-12, I'm not saying – let me get, you know, Lubbock and let me get Waco in on this. It's okay. How the heck am I going to solidify myself? So USC doesn't randomly go, um, I'm just going to go independent because I don't want to deal with any, any of this. And then all of a sudden you have a temple gone and you know, how many temples are in um, the PAC 12 that could leave and then d- diminish that contract. The ACC has a contract through like 2045 or something like that. What are they going to do? I don't know. It's, it's just like interesting to see. It feels like there's not a need to expand anymore with cable not really being a thing anymore. It'll be uh, yeah. interesting to see what happens. And to your and to your point, there is kind of a marginal cost to adding these teams because it. How much more is it going to inflate your TV deal, right? As Nate mentioned, like you, when you lose a team, they kind of want to renegotiate and cut. When you add teams, they might renegotiate. But now you're having to split the pot sixteen ways instead of fourteen, so. If I'm in the Big Ten, am I going to vote to make less money so Kansas can come in and play football with me? I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough – you know, they bring basketball, but what else do they bring? I don't know. I'm not an expert on Kansas athletics, but I don't think a lot. So is it worth the basketball to lose money in football, which is the biggest money maker? I don't know. So we might get stuck with a bunch of teams in no man's land or they're going to have to jump into the American, which I think would, would be, would have open arms for some of these programs. I don't know if they can go up to 20 though. I mean, that seems like 
16 seems like a lot. 20 seems like way too much. I was about to it's say, like old they school whack style yeah. where you got to get like really crazy creative. And I'm not entirely sure that <laughs> I'm not, not entirely sure that's there yet to do that. Not that anybody's willing to do that. I mean, there's also egos on the line here. There's not like, you know, Iowa State isn't just going to go ahead and say like, yep, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll decrease and that'll be fine. There's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of pride here. And, uh, there's, there's nothing worse than a, than a program that has to do with broken pride. It's, it's tough, as we saw in uh, the, the other realignment. It's, it's tough to see what you do next. I'm interested to see kind of what the fallout of this on kind of the opposite of what an expansion would be. I, I, I don't suppose we're ever going to come to this situation. But, I mean, the SEC, when it comes down to it, knows that football is going to be their moneymaker. So how long can you continue to prop up and say – we need to keep Vanderbilt in the conference because they're really good at baseball or, Oh, we need to keep Kentucky because that's a blue blood basketball program or et cetera, et cetera. Like how long does the sec continue to prop up and use the crutch of Olympic sports? Because they're clearly don't give a fuck about the Texas basketball or Oklahoma softball or anything like that. Sure. You know, they may compete for a national title every once in a while, but, they know where the money is. They know the money. They they know fans are going to clamor to go see Texas play Alabama at Brian Denny or, or Daryl K. Royal. They don't, doesn't matter the circumstance. They know that that football game is going to be the big money driver from TV to tickets to everything else. Shit. They'll, they'll charge parking for like 50 bucks that game. And Brian Denny's now, you know, putting gold in all their seats. So I'm curious to see what's going to be the fallout of this on the negative side of things of the conference. Cause it's just, it, it, it's going to be to a time where you're going to have to say, all right, we're going to have to make that difficult business decision. Sorry, Vanderbilt. Go have fun in the American. Right. And I'm just like taking a quick look at baseball and softball and the big right now yeah. outside of Texas, only two teams TCU and Texas Tech had winning conference records. Um, they had like Kansas was eight and sixteen in the conference. West Virginia was eight and sixteen. Oklahoma was eleven thirteen, and they had like it just they're not good baseball. Most of them except for Texas TCU, Texas Tech, and for softball, it's literally Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and everyone else. So you and you're losing for softball this season. Outside of Oklahoma and Texas, only two other teams had a winning overall record, but only one team had a winning Big 12 record, and that was uh, Oklahoma State. So it's it's a pretty big trade-off. I know you know basketball is a little bit different, but, man, it's, it's going to be a tough sell for some of the bigger conferences to take on. You know, I get the ACC, you know, will probably – it makes sense for West Virginia, but the ACC loves baseball. And bringing on a team that was eight and sixteen in conference play in a pretty weak conference, uh, baseball wise, is is tough. So we'll see how everything shakes out. It's just going to be very interesting. I hope they all end up in the American, and it'll be you know it'll be fun to maybe like have a Texas division or something like that. That'd be that'd be neat. Now you know way out west division, but I'm just I can't I can't reiterate enough how happy I am. It's not a time like it's. And it, it, it may well come down to, you know, USF just losing everything and they're, you know, in conference USA in four years or whatever, because the big 12 pulls a rabbit out of a hat. But for right now, I'm enjoying that. It's not us. It's fun to watch. Like, it's like watching a, a train wreck. Like, 
you know when you know is involved in everything like that and you're watching it from a distance but it's like yes like continue to pile on and, and double down and dig your heels into keeping the big 10 or, or big 12 around for as long as possible get your hopes up and watch them get crushed uh seth being part of the the sec now uh what's been the reaction that you've seen heard from internal talks whatever about adding texas and oklahoma to uh this power conference I think I think on first blush, everyone was pretty excited about it just because it was kind of a splash and uh, new games, which I think is the reason both sides kind of wanted to happen because it's harder to sell season tickets now when you're bringing on their side, you're bringing, you know, Kansas football and nobody wants to buy a ticket to watch Kansas. And as Steve mentioned, Vanderbilt, you know, people in Alabama don't really care when Vanderbilt comes into town. So you get those new matchups. That's fun. I've seen some reticence from people because it will make it harder in theory for the teams that are in there to get in the playoff and compete for a title. I think the expanded playoff will ease some of those concerns, but now there's talk that maybe that won't happen. And, and I think the really funny part about all of this is if, if they would have just expanded the playoff, you know, previously or said, Hey, we're going to go to expanded playoff and maybe even gone beyond 12 to 16, everybody gets an auto bid. We, I think all this movement would have been, would have been killed dead. But now that, they kind of came up with a half bit solution. Everybody's trying to run up for their best interest. So it's kind of been a mixed bag, um, really. But I think most people are just excited for new matchups and things like that. So I think initially everyone would be really happy. But as it goes on, it gets into practice and and maybe your team misses out on SC's championship because Texas beat you, then, um, then maybe you won't be liking it too much then. But I think for now, everyone's pretty excited about it. What I found very interesting, just kind of looking over some things, Florida and Auburn have only played twice since 2011. And now you're adding two more teams into the mix. Like, how does the SEC plan to get around to having everyone face each other now? Yeah, I don't I don't know. They have to they, – they were kind of in the need to change how they scheduled before this even happened. I think Florida played, if I'm correct, they played Texas A&M in Johnny Manziel's first year at Texas A&M, and then this last year was the was the the last time they were there. So they had a big time gap in between those games. That's just like one example. But you mentioned Florida and Auburn; they played every year for like 70 or 80 years. That was like Florida's big. It was Georgia and Auburn in the SEC. They play every year. And then when the when um when they kind of switched the schedule up, Auburn rotated off and they put LFU as the permanent rival, so Auburn and Georgia could play every year because that was even a little bit longer than Auburn Florida. So there's there needs to they needed to change some stuff anyways. It'll be interesting to see if they go to pods, if they go to divisions, they're going to have to do something different. And I think they were leaning towards doing that possibly before the additions, but now with it, they definitely have to go that way. They can't schedule like they have been where you know, a kid can go his whole career without playing one of the conference teams. It's just kind of weird. Right. I, I just found that like, just truly fascinating. Like my, my new CEO at my new job is a huge Gators fan. And there's a kid who went to Auburn and we were just, you know, shooting the shit uh, the other day. And I pulled up Winsipedia and I was like, they've only played twice in 10 years. Like how, yeah. like I couldn't imagine playing, not playing a conference foe. And that was, Every year. like I said, that was a, that was the big rival. 
that was, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure who the USF equivalent would be, but imagine playing somebody for like 50, 60, 70 years in a row. And then all of a sudden you played twice in 10 years and you didn't change conferences. So the SEC's had some problems with scheduling. Now it's going to make it more difficult, but I think it also forces their hand to do something different, which should help the kind of the fan experience. I think in the end where you'll get where you're going to play at each stadium once within every four years is what I think they're hoping to do. Yeah. You know, I I remember in NCAA 14, you could have like protected rivals. Did that, was that kind of the the thought process for the SEC and it just really didn't pan out the way they had hoped? Yeah, they went, uh, I don't, I think it was even before the realignment, they started doing it, but they went with one permanent rival from across divisions and Auburn went with Georgia because their series was slightly older than Auburn, Florida. And then Florida with LSU, Alabama's with Tennessee because they have a long storied rivalry. So some of them ended up and it just ended up where Florida went with LSU. And so that's become a bit of a rivalry. But when I was growing up, you know, my family's we got a lot of Gators. So Florida Auburn was a big game. And now, you know, like you said, they played twice in the last 10 years. It's kind of weird. But I think they're hoping to kind of switch the scheduling up to get back to that. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be different, difficult for every conference who continues to expand, right? It's how do you continue to expand and get everyone playing again? And I'm, I'm glad I'm not the schedule maker. I, I couldn't imagine doing that, but real quick, I was just looking at the, the men's basketball for big 12. Um, so Baylor uh, won the conference. Uh, they went 13 and one to big 12, Iowa state. How many wins do you think they had in the big 12? You're too high. You're too high. Zero. Yes. They went 0-18 in men's basketball. (laughs) They finished the year on an 18-game losing streak. Wow. So, USF fans, it could be worse. That is incredible. How? They went – they won two games last year. They went 2-24 – 2-22. Wow. They were were decent, like, within the last five years. Yeah, they were a tournament team. Yeah. Boy, talk about a fall from Greece. One or two guys. They beat, it, I guess. They beat Ike, Arkansas Pine Bluff and Jackson State. Mm. Coach Prime. Like, that's right. Coach Prime. Not Dio. Uh, that's oh, incredible. Man. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's exciting times. Uh, I, I know we just wanted to kind of hop on and, and discuss the, the, the potential future here. You know, there was a report today. That you know, working on this for a little bit, and ESPN has been doing what what they do and colluding with uh, an unnamed conference, as uh, the Big Twelve puts it. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens. And uh, I'm I'm just so happy it's not us this time. Like I, so happy. I, I can't stress and I can't stress it enough, folks. Um, but. I mean, are there any other you know overarching thoughts that you guys want to touch on? I know it's been it's been a pretty hectic week with all of this kind of going on. I was just gonna say it feels like we'd kind of get a grip on something and then another major story would come out. First, it was obviously you know they were leaving, then the Big Twelve was gonna do this sternly written letter, then they thought there was collusion with an unknown conference, then that conference being the American, and it was just kind of all over the place with the news. And I feel like every, every half day we're learning something brand new about this, this situation. And what 
I feel a little better about is last time it was who who's going to have access and who's going to be left behind. This time it feels more like what's the big what are the Big Twelve remains going to do, and regardless if it's they take they try to pull from the American or the American tries to pull from them. There's not going to be much difference between that. It's not like it doesn't feel like the remainder of the Big 12 is going to all of a sudden regain their access and still be $35 million a program uh, conference. So it, I feel like the stakes aren't as high unless you're one of those remaining Big 12 teams. So you kind of sit back and just watch how it's going. And uh, the other thing is, if you're going to make a Super League, just rip the Band-Aid off and do it. Like at this point. I just almost rather it happened that way than this be like this slow burn that gets there in like five or six years. Cause it just, it feels like right now what's going to happen is the SEC is going to operate at such a higher level than everybody else. And like how much money is enough money? I mean, like are we going to start paying assistant coaches two to $3 million a year. Are we going to have might, like, we might be already. It's, it's like how much is b- before you get to the point where it's like, okay, you say you can't pay the players, but that's the next question here. Yeah. How many how many wave pools do you really need? You know, how many movie theaters do you need? I think the remaining Big East or the Big East. I think the remaining Big Twelve teams are going to actually counter program the American and form and grab some other teams, form a new conference called the American Conference, and then we'll, they'll, they'll just to get back at the American. We'll kind of have a, a a dueling dueling Americas and America. So. Yeah, the the American athletics, yeah. athletic. You got to add the uh, yeah. Uh, I think con- I think that's a good. I think your I mean, conference. Like, your logo is like a bald eagle with like a AR fifteen or something. It'd be pretty sweet. It'd sell a lot of merch. <laughs> like a tattoo of the American flag. You're definitely picking off uh, the Texas and Florida teams with that uh, with that branding. You could. Yeah, you're de- you're definitely getting you sell a lot. You can the sell Texas some merch. Little a little eagle with a mullet. I think I've seen it's for a good one. <laughs> uh, that's my. I mean, they could just do that. A, a real just a shot across the bow of the American. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's. Um, I think. I think they're just going to be gone in like two or three years. They'll be. They'll all be someplace else. I don't. I think yeah. twelve is dead. I. I think that's where we're heading to, and uh, can't can't stress enough the importance of leadership and. Times of dire straits, and man, Bob is just showing his ass. He is just—he is bad. He's just bad at his job. Like we thought, Joe Heis was bad at his job. Like Bob just imploded an entire conference. So the thing that that congratulations. The thing—the thing that kills me here is you can't when your tent poles leave, you can't do anything about that. There's nothing Bob Bowlesby could have done to keep them where they're at. But the whole parade charade that they did 2015, 2016 with everybody pitch why you should join the big 12 to just go ahead and not do any of it and just close out your grant of rights. That right there is just like, this is like karma coming back and biting you right in the butt. And it's just, again, there's nothing you can do. Right. No club are going to leave. If again, if the PAC 12 had USC and Stanford leave, that's, that's that. If, you know, Ohio State had, I'm sorry, the Big Ten had Ohio State and I guess Michigan leave. It, there's just, see, like those conferences just feel so much more regionally intact that I just don't feel like they pull that type of move. But I guess who really knows? It's just like once you lose your temples, you have no idea what's going to happen. But I guess 
Right. The charade with this superiority complex and it came back and bit you in the butt. So what are you going to do? Like, I, I just can't believe that Bob and the big 12, you know, leadership didn't have a plan in their back pocket for something like this happening. Right. Because as soon as, as soon as Texas A&M goes to the SEC and the SEC has a foothold in Texas, you start thinking about, well, what if the SEC comes for Texas next? Right. And and when Texas has already been kind of flirting about leaving, like you've got to have a plan like, okay, if this happens, we're calling USC, Oregon, UCLA, Stanford. Like we're, we're doing something like it's like, I think that's the jokes always been made that the PAC 12 was the weakest power five conference, but I, you know, secretly, I think, Texas and Oklahoma covered up a lot of Big 12 assiness, and now now we're seeing it, and it it is ugly. Well, I think what the kind of the other the other precursor to that is once, like I said, once once the SEC got in Texas, these teams recruit Texas like create like Florida recruits Texas hard, Alabama recruits Texas very well. Ohio State with Urban Meyer came down to Texas and started stealing good players. They, they got the number one quarterback in the country now with Ryan Day that may even opt out of his senior year of high school to get uh, NIL deal. But he's from Texas. All these other schools got into Texas. and uh, Texas and Oklahoma couldn't keep them all. And so now they're kind of feeling that pain. Oklahoma's adjusted, whereas Texas, I think, is so parochial of a state, especially within football that they'll keep taking Texas kids because they think Texas kids are better instead of trying to recruit a little more nationally. So I, I think that's kind of came back to bite them in the butt and they're not as good. And the SEC kind of just came into their kitchen and stole their dinner. And now that they, now they're going to join up. So. Okay. So Seth, you're, you're, uh, you're Steve Sarkeesian and you're trying to get Texas turned around here. And all of a sudden you hear this and go, you're probably going to be in the same division as uh Nick Saban, what do you think? I mean, I think it'll help him recruit, actually. And I that that is there were rumors that they told him that we might be making this move. Like because they were talking about it in December, I guess. So there were rumors they oh, told wow. him, hey, we might be okay. try, we're gonna we might try to go to the SEC. I think it makes it even more of an attractive job because now what does Texas AM have to sell now? You know, they, maybe more recent success, but you can say, listen, we're in the SEC now, too. You know, what do they have that's better than us? They're, I think Texas still sees themselves as the flagship school in the state. So I think they feel that was all that's missing is kind of that SEC thing. So now they have that. I think it, it makes the job easier in some ways because it's really about talent acquisition. But, yeah, the, the schedule just got a lot harder. Can we talk about how, if that's the case, where they kind of knew in December that this was happening, how long this is percolating? Greg Sankey was in all of these meetings to explain the the college football playoff over the past few months with Bob Bowlesby and everybody else to figure this out. And he knew. He knew it was happening. That's why he – trust me, we're going to need eight teams. Trust me. Let's let's cap this thing at six. Trust me. We're going to need those six spots. Just <laughs> 16 sounds great. We'll take eight of them. <laughs> Greg Sankey, man, that 30 for 30. We need to hear yeah. all about this entire story. And we'll never hear the, the whole story until, you know, Chris on his deathbed or what, whatever. You're not going to get the full story for another 10, 15 years, 20 years, if you ever get it. But how the SEC systematically dismantles the Big 12 is – 
it's going to be written about for years. This is a seminal moment in college football. And, you know, July 1st came around and it was NIL. And then the, the SEC was like, hold my beer. I got this. Don't you worry. Those kids will only have 28 days of news cycle, but then it's our turn. And dear Lord, it just, it just means more. It really does. And, you know, rip the big 12. I hardly knew ye. Um, USF six and seven against the remaining eight teams in the, in the conference never played Texas because Texas was scared and backed out of the deal. Still waiting on that $1.90 USF. one against Oklahoma. I think that was like 2001, if I'm not mistaken, 2000, I think somewhere around there at six and seven, they have a winning record against, uh, Texas tech. And then they're one one against, uh, Kansas three and four against West Virginia, one one against TCU. And they haven't played Kansas state, Iowa state or Oklahoma state yet. Yes. Yeah. That's the key word yet, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to, I can't wait for, uh, AAC media days next week. Now that's going to be fun. Uh, August 3rd and 4th, um, which coincides with USF's report date. They, they report August 3rd, which is Tuesday, I believe. And then their first practice is August 4th. Get to, uh, media is going to be able to get to see the, the new locker room. Excited about that. I believe Steve's going to be there for us uh, because I just, you know, start a new job. It'd be rough to take some time off. I've got, I've got Olivia going to, to pre-K in August. So I, I've got to be able to, you know, be a little late for first day of school and meet the teacher. I, I don't think I can take another, another day off for uh, media days, but it's exciting times ahead for everyone in the, in college football, exciting times for, for us here at the Bloomingati podcast and at uh, the daily stampede. I'm excited for what we're going to be able to do. Seth, do you want to, uh, kind of announce that you're coming back for a little bit for, for a little something, something. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm probably won't be doing um, the preview stuff that I've done previously, but I'm just kind of looking at how the season was going to set up. I think I still have time every week to do the film room of the previous game and look at it. And hopefully we're going to do that in a live streaming possible capacity that also get uploaded to the YouTube channel if you don't watch it live. So we'll see if we can grow that and kind of get some interact interactivity in there and, and see, see how it goes. Yeah. Super excited to have them back. We, you know, they uh, always say we always keep our tentacles out there. You know, when you leave, you're never truly gone. And I'm excited to see this iteration of, of the film room. We're actually going to be testing that out here after this podcast. So I'm excited to see what happens. And, uh, you know, without further ado, we'll probably, we'll have a preview podcast, uh, to preview the season next week, just to let Vito and Steve know as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have a preview. We'll have Sweet. a preview episode next week, um, to kind of kick things off. And then maybe, you know, we've got a month until September 2nd to, uh, to kick things off. So we'll probably do maybe a start weekly uh, next week. We'll, we'll figure out maybe bi-weekly during fall camp. Who knows? If something exciting happens, we'll, we'll hop on like this. Uh, if more teams uh, decide to jump ship, we'll, we'll follow up. But I think that's it for now. This has been the Bloom Naughty podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond alongside me, 
Robert Stig, Anthony Vito, and, and Seth Varnador. Be safe. Be nice. Go Bulls. Get vaccinated. Go Bulls. Go Bulls indeed.